Insanity. Insanity. Let this be the only flat earth conversation you ever have to get yourself into. Okay, so is the earth flat? No, it's fucking not flat. That's ridiculous. There's a million. You can literally do math to figure out that it's not flat. Math. Like arithmetic. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. What's up, everybody? My name is Nick Glassett, and welcome to another episode of Hashtag Just Ask Nick. I get questions all the time. I answer them all. So now I record it, and here you go. I'm going to answer questions for you. So today is going to be a super special episode of Just Ask Nick because I'm solo. No guests today. I'm going to be answering questions from you guys that sent them to me via DM. That's right. I'm going to be answering random-ass questions. So before we get into these, I'm going to let you know you can ask me a question, and I promise you I will answer it. The best place to do it is Instagram. It's just not as a crazy busy place as my Facebook Messenger. I don't know why everybody Facebook messages, but that's just it's just like insane. If I open up my Facebook Messenger for you and show you how many I got a glare, how many blue dots are on here? They go forever, dude. They go forever. I just I can't make it to all of them. Now a lot of those are like you replied back thanks or said awesome. I don't go back and open those because I don't have time. But my Instagram, I clean out every single day. I have an alarm that goes off at 9.15 to go answer all DMs, and my Instagram is cleaned out at that time amongst everything else. But if you want to get through to me, Instagram is the best possible way, at Glass on Instagram. All right, let's get into some questions. Okay, all these questions are on my phone here, so I'm going to read these off my phone. First question is from Jack Gorham. What's up, Jack? Comes to me on Facebook Messenger. He says, hey, Nick, what's been your most knowledgeable book you've read to help you in entrepreneurship? Badass question, Jack. That answer is actually pretty easy, even though there's a litany of books back here and pretty much every single one of them is a business book of some kind. uh, There's kind of been one that rose to the top, which is the E-Myth Revisited. Let me see if I can find it. Found it. So here it is. I've got all sorts of uh, notes and all sorts of crap all over it, but the E-Myth Revisited. This book has been absolutely legendary and just kind of – it didn't really change the way that I think because I already think like an entrepreneur, but it really kind of uh, almost reinforced the way that I think and then helped me like tweak it a little bit to where uh, um, you can just run a business a lot more efficiently, I guess you could say, after you read this book. So if you haven't read – the E-Myth Revisited by, uh, what's his name again? Michael E. Gerber. If you haven't read E-Myth Revisited and you're an entrepreneur or a wannabe entrepreneur or a budding entrepreneur or a soon-to-be entrepreneur, bingo. That is your book right there. Go read this. All right, next question is from Chris Rivers on Facebook Messenger. So Chris says, hey, bro, loved your last podcast. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. If you're not subscribed, guys, please go subscribe. Just go podcast with Nick Glassett. Just go, baby. Okay, he said, I loved your last podcast. How do you happen all the stress? I think he meant like handle. How do you handle all the stress? Do you take a little time out of each day for you and your family? Badass question. I've got all the answers. So I'm going to answer the second part of his question first. Do I take a little bit of time out for my family? Yes, absolutely I do. What does that time look like? So it's kind of weird and random, but it's the bus stop. I've talked about it publicly quite a bit, but I am like obsessed with taking my kids to the bus stop in the morning. So we leave right around 7 a.m. to go to the bus stop for my 10-year-old son, Boston. I walk him over there. We bullshit, right? Do whatever. I take him to the bus stop. I say hi to his friends, and then I bounce. 
at this late in the school year, I'm actually usually the only parent at that bus stop um, because it's for third through sixth grade, third through fifth grade. I don't remember. The schools are split into two where I live. It's kind of weird. But anyways, it's a little bit older kids, so most of the parents don't come to that bus stop. But it's like he loves me to go to it. I love to go to it, so that's what I do. Then we about 7.45, 7.50, we leave for the bus stop for my kindergartner. So our little girl, her name is Brody. Uh, all the parents come to that bus stop, right, because it's kindergarten through second grade. And so, like, I kind of bullshit with the parents. Like, it's just great. It's all absolutely awesome. Then at nighttime, I also pick – I don't pick Boston up from the bus stop. He gets off of the bus at, like, 345 and just goes home. I leave the office at 4 so I can get home. Brody's bus is about 420, and so I can get her off the bus. I do that on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. My wife does it on Mondays and Thursdays. But that little bit of time that I make for them is highly, highly, highly important for me because when I was a corporate employee, I didn't have, I wasn't able to do any of that shit. I left work for work at like 6 a.m. and got home at like 7 p.m. almost every fucking day. It's misery, dude. So, so that bus stop time, as soon as I quit my job, that bus stop time began when my son was in kindergarten and I was able to take him. And it's just kind of always just been this special, super, super special time for us. The other thing that I do is on those bus stop days when I get home, I get home, uh, like I said, about 4.20. So I call it 4.30 after I get back from the bus stop. I tidy up the house. I get ready to cook dinner. I do all of that stuff. So that way when my wife comes home, she doesn't have to do all that stuff. Unload the dishwasher or whatever you got to do. Kind of uh, very domesticated on those days. Um, I got to end my work earlier, but it helps the family run much smoother. Then I also coach my kindergartner's soccer team. That's right. I coach a bunch of crazy five-year-old little girls and their soccer team, uh, but it's super awesome. So we have practice on Tuesday nights, and then uh, my son plays. I'm not, I don't coach him anymore because he plays academy, and there, there's already coaches for that, but he plays on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and then um, he will have two to three games on the weekends, and obviously then I coach my little girl on the weekend. And then I hang out with the kids all day Saturday. I don't I don't work Saturdays and Sundays um, other than, like, on this device for the boys, you know. So that's kind of like the family time that I have set aside. Now, let me answer the first question. How in the world do I manage it all? Well, it's kind of a couple different things. So, number one, I have really, really awesome employees. Like, I have really badass employees. Now, there's some details they'll miss or some things I need to teach them that I'm changing or or – you know, the direction of the company is kind of shifting. And so I've got to kind of change the culture or, or manage the culture. I've got to do all sorts of things, right? But like, I don't go do physically all the things. Uh, little secret, I've gained a little bit of weight since I've been sitting in this freaking chair so much more often. And I'm not out putting up Christmas lights or picking up bounce houses or dropping off bounce houses. Uh, but they, they can handle a lot of that stuff to where I can then make sure the back end is all handled well. And then the last part I'm going to kind of interject into this is a little bit of a teaser for a future podcast that's coming up. But um, in March, I believe mid-March, I've got a guest coming on. His name is Luke. Uh, he's the owner of KC Crew in Kansas City and is has kind of turned into a mentor of mine. He is a blocks coach slash judge. He's on the blocks all the time. Uh, that's where I met him. He was a judge on my season, uh, season seven. And uh, last time I was at the blocks was in early December. I was at, I got invited back for blocks grad school and he was there for a couple of days. We were having lunch talking about amongst a bunch of other things, kind of scheduling. And one of the things like that just kind of sticks out of the conversation. He said, well, when do you, what, 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 what time do you check your email? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I just check my email. He's like, ran it like randomly. Like, how's it going? I'm like, uh, shitty. Like I have like 9 trillion unopened emails. And then like, 
once every two or three weeks, I put my head down and I fucking grind through all of them. It takes hours and then it piles all back up and usually piles up longer because I don't want to grind. And it's just this vicious cycle. And then he said, well, I check my email at every day at this time. That's the only time I check my email at whatever time it was he said. And I was like, wait, you're shitting me. And then he goes into how he schedules his entire day, literally every activity, every activity. So I kind of started dinking with that. I made a spreadsheet that was kind of like a rough draft of a schedule. I kind of tried to follow it, moved some things around, tweaked a bunch of stuff. And really quickly, like things got ultra efficient. So then now it goes all goes in my calendar. So every single day at 9 a.m., an alarm goes off to tell me that it's time to check my email every single day. And by the way, it only takes like 10 minutes. And then every single day at 9.15, alarm goes off to check all my DMs and reply back to you guys. And then those alarms kind of go off all throughout the day. I work out at the same time. I eat breakfast at the same time. I take my kids to the bus at the same time. I am so like hyper efficient now. I can get so much done. It's silly, dude. Uh, and then to kind of like hit on the stress part. So yes, being an entrepreneur is stressful. Um, this is something I have actually haven't talked about publicly, but I recently got on a pretty dang low dose of an anxiety medicine. So I take an anxiety medication every day. Holy shit. Did that help, dude? I am so much more like dialed in and relaxed. Relaxed isn't the right word because I'm still pretty high strung, but I'm not like anxiety. I don't have a, the anxiousness. Uh, I do have a lot of anxiousness that lives in my DNA and manifests itself from time to time, especially when I've got multiple things going on or if even if I'm trying to text and you're talking to me or more importantly, my five-year-old trying to talk to me, like I have a hard time handling it. So I've got on this uh, Buspirone. I think is what it's called. And it's worked fucking fantastic for me. So just it's like a self-awareness conversation and a mental health conversation or self-health, self, self-health. That's the wrong phrase. You guys know what I'm talking about. So if you have anxiety, depression, those other kind of quote unquote demons, like go fucking talk to a doctor and deal with it, dude, because you'll be way happier. I promise. OK, next question comes from Helio Batista. Uh, he texts me all the time. So this one, he says, hey, Nick, hope you're having a busy Monday, man. Um, it's Wednesday as I'm reading that. And I am. I'm having a very busy, productive day because of my schedule. He says, hey, Nick, what book have you read that helps you helps you have your business running with through you? I don't know what he exactly means there, but it's a book question. So I came prepared with three more books for you guys because you guys asked me this book question quite a bit. Um, I do like to read the book I'm reading right now is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. But uh, here we go, in no particular order. If you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, or just a leader, just a manager, Three Laws of Performance by Dave Logan, this book, wow, you're going to need to read it like four fucking times because it's just, it is not a light read, but it is intense, it is insightful, and it changes the way you think. And I, I literally like approach problems to this. I read this years and years ago. I've read it probably four times, but read it years and years ago and i still literally use the three laws in any time i have a problem book number two boom this one changed my life well 21 irrefutable laws of leadership by john maxwell this one changed my life it was uh given to me no just the title was given to me by a former manager of mine in corporate world in like 2010 2012 probably 2012 um, I read it. It was really the first book I ever like read. Like, right? I mean, I've read books and shit, but like, I didn't really, really read books. This one turned me into a reader. This one changed my life. My dog even liked me more <laughs> after reading this book. It's an absolute classic. There's probably been nine billion copies sold. Uh, there's about four hundred thousand different versions of it, but 
this book is an absolute must read for everybody in any sort of management role. Next, this book actually is awkward to talk about. I didn't like it. And then I kind of started to reflect on why I didn't like it. And I realized it's because I agreed with everything. And like, uh, it's kind of my nature to do these things already. So I reread the book and found myself much more open to it. And I was like, yeah, this actually is a very important book because a lot of these concepts people don't uh, grasp onto. But but it was a, a very uh, affirming read for me because of who wrote it is somebody super special to me. So this last book, third book, there you go, 12 and a half by Gary Vaynerchuk. It's how to lead and be a manager with soft skills, not hard skills, and not being a dickhead, like being empathetic. This book is awesome, awesome, awesome. Read it. There you go. There is the 12 and a half, and the half is because he sucks at telling people the truth. <laughs> but this book is absolutely amazing, so go pick up 12 and a half. So there you go, three business books that are badass. I'll put the links in the description to go buy these from Amazon. Caution, I'll make 12 cents off of the link, but there you go. Okay, next question comes from Instagram from a user called Your Hair is Different, I think is what it is. It's truncated, so I can't see the whole thing. During the wintertime, is business slow? If so, how does one overcome this? I'm asking because I think weather has a major influence. Yeah, of course weather has a major influence. If you are in Maine, Bangor, Maine, you ain't renting out shit in December because it's basically Canada. If you're in Canada, it's probably actually colder than Bangor, Maine, so you're definitely not renting anything in the wintertime. Now, I'm not saying you guys can't go market to inside events at schools or whatever. Okay, you may get some rentals in gymnasiums. Not talking about the one-off thing. I just mean you ain't paying yourself a full-time income in December. You better have already made your money in July, right? So does it get slow in the winter in New Orleans where I live? Yes, yes, it does. We are pretty busy through November, though. We get into the first two weeks of December. Still pretty healthy, but it just kind of starts to taper down. And as you get near Christmas, basically the next six weeks are like maybe two, maybe three rentals. If we have four, that's pretty healthy all the way through January. Once we get into February, it does pick back up. As of recording this, it's the 21st. It's February 21st, 2024. Last weekend, I think we sent 14, 15 units, something like that. And had to run one truck Friday, two trucks Saturday, two trucks Sunday, one truck Monday. So we're back into the beginning stages of busy season, okay? Now, how does one overcome this? Well, you've got a couple different options, and it depends on where you live. If you live in Michigan, you're going to need a healthier option than if you live near me or in Houston, say, where the winters are pretty mild and you're probably going to get rentals all winter. So... If you don't want to have to have a job, I commend you. Badass. We're Entrepreneur Brothers. You just need something. You, you, you need an income stream. So how do I overcome this? Well, by accident, but it actually is now something I teach intentionally, which is Christmas light installation. Now, the problem with Christmas light installation is that it occurs when the jump off is still pretty busy. There you go. There's my install company right there. Let's get lit. But yeah, it occurs while my uh, while the jump off is still pretty busy. So it's a pretty hectic November balancing the two of them. But if you're in a colder climate, obviously you're going to probably close right after Halloween or you're basically probably closed most of October and then have Halloween events and then you're donezo. So it would be a great, great, great thing to add if you're in Michigan, Bangor, Maine, wherever else it's cold. If you don't want to do Christmas light installation, go plow snow. 
go what else do you do in the winter i don't know i don't live where it's winter so i don't remember i'm born and raised where it's winter and i moved on purpose okay so that's where i live why i live in a very mild climate uh but you just overcome it in some way shape or form with some other sort of business if you don't want to open another business you don't have to you can just go make a shitload of money for the x number of weeks that you're open for your bounce house rental business and then take that winter off baby if it was me and I went that route, well, I would go crazy. I, I would, I have to start like I right. I got five businesses already. But if I were to go that route, I would just uh, get in super good, bro. I'd swear to God, I'd probably work out like three hours a day. I'd probably turn myself into like a workout influencer, and there you go. I'd create another job for myself because that's my personality. But uh, yeah, just go enjoy yourself. Enjoy those slow months. Go work on the website. Go go build some SEO campaigns do just go do something you know that helps out the business whatever but you know your ambitions are the answer to that okay next question comes from instagram and from david j he asks hey do you ever send out one man to deliver bounce houses like how we did it when we started or are you always sending out two guys so the answer to that question is yes i send out one man crews however i try to do it as little as i possibly can because the more guys in the truck, the more guys I pay, the more guys I pay, the happier they are, the happier they are, the better job they do, right? You can kind of see that take take hold. So I try to, to send two guys as often as I can. However, when you're in those December months, when you're in January and you have three rentals this weekend and they're all bounce houses that are 150 bucks, there's just not a lot of income, I guess you could say, to pay two guys to go in the truck like the margins are just not there so i do trim it down to one guy when payroll dictates that generally speaking just mid december to the end of january so from now it's as of recording this february 21st going forward it'll probably be two guys every single route forever with the caveat of we have one school rental where we just got to go pick up one obstacle course that's two pieces. Like one guy's going to go do that. We don't need two guys to go do that. And that actually kind of helps the guys out because who wants to go work for an hour and a half? Like not everybody. It's it's it can be a little bit inconvenient. So let's run a lean crew to, you know, help keep the guys happy. If they were dead set on taking two, I probably wouldn't say no as long as it's, you know, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. But uh, yeah, so those are the times we're going to run one-man bounce house pickup cruise. Okay, next question is a long one. It is from Your Vision Event Rentals on, I believe this is Instagram. I'm losing track of where it's at. But anyways, they say, hey, I've been watching a lot of your videos, and I'm like back and forth on a decision. I live in Kennesaw, Georgia, and I own a party rental business that we want to add bounce houses. We want to get the six and one from Magic Jump, but everyone has the Castle one on Facebook Marketplace. Only two big companies around us have the average ones that Magic Jump sells. Would it be a better choice to go with that since everyone has a Castle? Oh, oh, no, no, no. Only two big companies around us have the Avengers one that Magic Jump has. Would it be a better choice to go with that one since everyone has the Castle? So. This is a fun, this is a fun one. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the literal answer that I text back to them, which was flip a coin and make a decision. Don't worry about the decision. You're not going to make the right decision anyway because there's arguably no such thing as a right decision because you can only make one of them. So whatever you decide has to be the right decision. If you spend time contemplating, 
you lose time executing. Said differently. Stop overthinking. Just go. So flip a fucking coin, and it lands on tails, so you're going to go buy Avengers. Or it lands on heads, so you're going to go buy the generic red, blue, and yellow bounce house castle. Okay, cool, whatever. I don't care. Now, let me give you some opinion on this, or let me try and help steer whether you uh, uh, flip the coin twice or not. Okay, how about that? So if you go buy the generic red, yellow, blue castle, yeah, you're not going to stick out. However, that unit is able to be rented out to a broader audience, okay? So that can go get you more rentals. If you build an inventory full of 400 of those, which there is businesses that have done that, and and some of the businesses that do that will build an inventory of 400 or 500, I don't fucking know how many, oh, they'll have like 12 of the same unit. Like you go to their website, you're like, you guys only have four bounce houses? No, 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 they have 400. They're just the same four each 100 times. It lowers confusion. It lowers uh, uh, makes logistics easier because you have so many of the same one. Cool, that's cool. Go do that. Who cares? Like, there's super big businesses that are very successful to do that. Oh, yeah, but I want some unique stuff because that stuff's boring to me. So I want Avengers. I want dinosaurs. I want, you know, whatever, the sinking Titanic dry slide, which uh, it's still probably too soon for that dry slide, guys. But anyways, cool, badass. Go be unique. Now, that stuff is hard to get multiples of. It's heavier. But it's got a wow factor that people are going to love. Logistics are tougher because you're not going to have as many of them, most likely, as if you buy the generic ones. So you're going to have one of each when you're a new company. And so multiple people are going to want to write it on the weekend. Do you want to flip it? Do you not want to? It just comes up with a different set of. That's why I said just fucking flip a coin and go figure it out. Now, what do I think is the right answer? I tend to go towards unique stuff. I don't want 12 of the same generic colored bounce i just uh, that that's boring as fuck to me but like i mean i've got tattooed hands tattooed arms tattooed legs like it just doesn't fit my personality i want a pirate one i want a pirate ship i want a, a tropical theme you know what i mean i want a wave i want the palm trees i want a rabbit one i want a princess one i want a disney one i want a paw patrol one that's just who i am so my right answer is go the unique way use that as a strength to market yourself if you don't have the unit that they want to rent all the time, this Avengers one, let's just say it's super popular and you, don't, you can't get enough of them and you just, it's always rented out, use it to your strength. People call and they want the Avengers one. You're like, dude, you're going to have to call earlier next year. Let's get you into the hippo one or whatever the fuck you have. Next year, though, do you want the Avengers one? I can set that shit up right now. We can put you in. You just got to give me 50 bucks. Boom, there you go. Now you've got a booking for 2023 for next weekend got a booking for 2024 use your weaknesses as strengths but there you go there's my answer on that okay this next question comes from andre soriano on instagram okay if you guys want to text me your questions on instagram at nick o class send me a text i promise i will answer it okay i sent i i sent a picture to my stories of me flying okay there you go there's the picture of the out the airplane window and he replied back is earth flat so I don't know if you've seen I, – I posted something the other day about uh, flat earth. I said uh, on Facebook, if you don't want to waste your entire life away, whatever you do, don't mention flat earth anywhere because you'll it, it'll know. The algorithm will know. You'll get cookied somehow, and then all of a sudden you're going to get flat earth things suggested in your feed. What it is about flat earth theory that is – so fucking polarizing and magnetic i don't quite understand i was actually thinking about it on my drive home yesterday like why do we care so much 
Then you go down the rabbit hole. It doesn't matter what your side you're on. And it's just people arguing, calling each other names that the earth is flat or the earth is round. And then they have proof and he has proof and your proof doesn't isn't actually proof and your proof is anecdotal. Da-da-da-da-da. Back and forth, the brain wa- you be insanity. Insanity. Let this be the only flat earth conversation you ever have to get yourself into. Okay, so is the earth flat? No, it's fucking not flat. That's ridiculous. There's a million. You can literally do math to figure out that it's not flat. Math, like arithmetic. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay, next question is a long one. It's from Dave Delgado 8 on Instagram. He says, what up, Nick? What up, Dave? I got a more detailed question for you if you don't mind. I do not mind. Long story short, we have to three units now and renting out just enough to cover insurance every month. Not very good, I guess. Uh, I would push back on that, say, awesome. Good for fucking you, Dave, because you have insurance. That's badass. And remember, you go start any business, it's supposed to or is expected to lose money for the first three years. With this notion that you got to go buy bounce houses and have them pay themselves off and all this fucking craziness is craziness. Okay, so no, I disagree with you there. Okay, he continues. We stopped running Google ads as they weren't doing much for me and funds were getting low. Okay, that's probably a smart move with three units. We are still doing Facebook ads. Not a smart move with three units, if you ask me. But I want to know how to market to schools, churches, and companies, etc. I edit the characteristics in my Facebook ad, but for instance, when I type in school, Facebook starts recommending things like school teacher. Okay, that makes sense. Can you give me some pointers on what characteristics I should be inputting? As always, thanks for all the videos. You're very welcome, Dave. They're a lot of help. Okay, so let's unpack this. There's a lot of shit going on in this question. So number one, you get three units, dog. You don't need to be going after churches. You don't need to go be going after schools, and you don't need to be going after companies. You got three units. Those events come with scale. 50, 60, 80 plus units. You start to have the shit that they want. Think about it from a standpoint of if you're the event coordinator for the, you're the PTA president, right? And you got Fall Fest coming up. Do you want to go to a website that has three bounce houses on it to pick out your inventory? No. Here's why. Do you think this company has experience running big events? No. They got three units. They're, you just don't have the trust factor. You don't have the, uh, what do you call that? I guess I would call that equity. You haven't built up the equity. They don't know that you're awesome because you haven't proven it. You're a fucking rookie. You're not even a rookie, dude. You're not. You're like barely drafted. You got drafted seventh round. You got to go make the practice squad, okay, with three bounce houses. Don't be worrying about winning the Super Bowl, okay? What you want to do instead is focus on getting backyard. Backyard is what's going to cause scale when you're this small. Backyard is easier when you're this small. It does flip when you get big. Think about the scale of it, right? If you want to do $100,000 in a month, let's say, is it easier to get there with $10,000 events or is it easier to get there with $300 events? Yes. So once you're humongous, okay, and you can afford a mechanical bull and maybe a rock climb wall and who knows, maybe you've got hard carnival rides like, you know, the Tilt-A-Whirl type stuff. It's going to be easier to get to that scale with those big events. When you don't have all that fancy stuff, the volume is how you're going to get there. So the suggestion that I would make to you, Dave, is go get yourself a zero-interest credit card. Hopefully, I'll have a link down in the description for one that I just got, Chase Inc., something like that. I don't remember. 
Uh, Kevin is the one that told me. Kevin Barbosa is like the master at this. So, Kevin, I hope you don't mind me plugging you. But if you guys have credit card questions, go find Kevin Barbosa on probably Facebook. But uh, anyways, I used Kevin's referral code because he told me what card to go get. So I've got a zero inches credit card on the way to me because I'm going to buy a fucking shitload of inventory this year. I'm going to do it on 0% interest. So I have a year to pay this puppy off. I would suggest you go do that. I hope you have good credit. If you don't, you're probably going to get denied or have a low interest. I'm sorry, a low balance or low. What is that called? Your approval will be a lower dollar number. Mine, I have really good credit. And I believe this one actually goes off of the company's credit. The jump off has stellar credit. Uh, I got a Dunn's number. I got all that, all that good stuff and have had it forever. Um, I've had a credit card at the jump off forever. I pay it off always. I have no late fees. I got great credit, so I got a I got a really high dollar amount that I'm allowed to spend. Okay, but anyways, go get yourself a zero percent interest credit card and go buy a shit ton of units. Okay, get yourself eight more, nine more, ten more, as many as you can handle the deliveries on. So that way you can start to get to scale because, like you said, three is just paying the insurance, and uh, that ain't great. So you need more units. If you can't get a zero percent interest credit card because your credit sucks, go ask your grandma. Okay, your credit with your grandma is actually just your love and your affection, okay? She wants to make you happy. She wants to help your business grow. Go borrow money from your grandma. Now, you don't have a grandma, you have a mom. You don't have a mom, you have a stepdad. You don't have a stepdad, you got a buddy. You don't have a buddy, you got a cousin, okay? Grandma is who you should borrow money from, but that just insert high net worth individual, okay? And then uh, come up with whatever, whatever terms, right? right? They want 3% interest, they want 5% interest, like whatever, you guys figure that out. But go get some money so you can actually, three bounce houses just is not a business. Like that's like opening a coffee shop and having like a Keurig. I open a coffee shop, I have a Keurig, I'm not very busy. No kidding, because people want caramel macchiatos or whatever, all the other, I drink, I just drink coffee black, but they want other fancy drinks. Like you need to go get some more freaking equipment, dude. And then lastly, with the ads. So with three units, this is a little bit of a tough question to answer. Arguably, you probably shouldn't be paying for ads at all because you only have three units, right? How does an ad work? I'm going to go with Google. A Google ad works when you pop to the top of the list. You say, Google, here's my money. You pop to the top of the list. They click on your ad. My guy's about to walk in. What's up, dude? Yes, it is. Thank you, sir. Rev business. The mailman just delivered me rev business. Here's what I think of your flyer. Later. Okay. So the way a Google ad works is you tell Google, I'm willing to give you X number of dollars per day in an auction style uh, bid. Okay. They then put you at the top of the list. Okay. The sponsored post at the top or the sponsored person on the map pack. If your business gets clicked on, they charge you whatever your CPC is in your area. Okay, mine's around a buck fifty. So every time my ad gets shown, it's free. Every time it gets clicked on, costs me a buck fifty. That person then clicks on my ad and it takes them to my website. All right. Now let's back up a little bit. Why is that good to do on Google? Because this person already knows they're having a party. They already know they probably want a bounce house. So they go to Google and they say bounce house rental, and then Google <laughs> auto fills near me. And then, boom, all these companies pop up. Well, if you spend the money with Google, they put you at the top until your budget runs out. So if you tell Google, I'm willing to spend six bucks a day 
They'll put you at the top of the list. They'll put you at the top of the list. It gets clicked on. $1.50. Top of the list. Clicked on. Now you're up to three bucks, okay? You get two more clicks, then you're done. You don't show at the top of the list the rest of the day, okay? Now, let's go back in. They click on it. They go to your website. Your website needs to be able to convert them into a client because you just paid Google $1.50 to get them in the door of your store. Now, if your website sucks, you wasted $1.50 because they're going to bounce, okay? So go into Google Analytics, install that on your thing, but go into Google Analytics and look at your bounce rate. How high is that bounce rate, okay? Good, bad, you're going to have to go do, I'm not teaching you bounce rate in this video, okay? You're going to have to go learn all this yourself, okay? Then you need to start making tweaks to your website so the bounce rate is lower, okay? You want them to stay on. You want them to put shit in their cart and you want them to pay you. That's where the little high-level slide-in funnel comes in, right? Here, I'm going to give you a $10 coupon if you click here. Then they got to give you your information. Then high level will go start automatically texting them, trying to get them to book shit with you. Okay, that's why that works so well. Raises your conversion. So that $1.50 that you paid Google to get the person over to your website, you have a higher chance of converting them because you have a slide in. Go check out the Marketing Ninja, by the way, if you want this. Then you have a slide in that offers a $10 off coupon. You probably already raised your prices $10, all of them. Okay, $10 coupon. They give info. You can go try and get rentals from them, right? They all kind of work in concert with each other. But if you only have three bounce houses on your website, your conversion rate's gonna be really low because you just don't you just don't have what they're looking for, probably. All right. So you're gonna be spending a dollar fifty to get less bookings than I have because I have 70 units on my website. Does that make sense? Now, Facebook ads don't work very well. They don't work very well for us in the party rental industry. Why is that? Because they already know they're looking for us. Like this, we're we're not something we go talk them into it, right? My average rental last year was three hundred forty-seven dollars. You're not about to go Facebook ad somebody some flashy Facebook ad of a website of a water slide and have them be like, "Oh shit, we should get a water slide, dog." Three hundred fifty bucks. No, it's just not how it works. Those Facebook ads work really, 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 really well for impulse buys a $20 shirt from some weird place in China and it's just funny and you kind of don't even really care if it shows up I stole that from Dave Barnes that is how a Facebook ad generally works so if you want good Facebook ads you got to run retargeting ads those are hard as shit to set up and you got to cookie them on your website and have them on the pixel it's a lot dude it's a lot so what I would tell you Dave is what is your ROI on the Facebook ads. I venture to guess it's either low or you don't know. But what is your CAC to your LTV on your Facebook ads? That is what is important, okay? Customer acquisition cost, lifetime value added. Okay, those two metrics versus each other is how you decide what the ROI is on your ads. So what is yours on your Facebook ads? Lastly, he's talking about the characteristics that you're going to target the best way to run a Facebook ad is to retarget them, which means they went to your website, they got cookied. So the only time your Facebook ad shows is when they go to Facebook with cookies from your website. So the only people that see your Facebook ads are people that have been to your website. That's the best way to do them. As of recording this that I know of as a non-marketing expert, okay? I try to be dangerous in all categories and I answer these questions all the time. So I do research to like figure out the answer to some of these questions. That has been the consensus of all the marketing gurus is Facebook ain't going to make you very much money. 
you'll probably break even, but it's a good branding play because they've already been to your website if you're doing it correctly. So they'll come back and they'll see you. Now, if you have something like a foam party, you could probably talk me out of my stance because a foam party is something they don't know about. You've got to teach them about, okay? Does cost about the same, right, as my average, 350 bucks, but they don't know it exists and the visuals are so magnetic of the foam and the children playing and the, right, it's, it's a fun thing. So they may see that and go, oh, fuck, I do have this coming up. I was going to get a bounce house, but I'd rather get foam. A Facebook ad, you could talk me into Facebook ads working much better for foam than for a bounce house rental. But there you go. There you go, Dave. That's a long question. That's a long answer. Hope it served you well. <clears throat> okay, next question. This is from, oh, this is from my boy Toby. Okay, he said, is foam machine worth it? Yeah, foam machine is worth it. Foam machine is worth it. I did not accidentally do this. I didn't mean to talk about foam right at the end of that one and do foam on this one. I'm just that freaking good, people. So is a foam machine worth it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Foam machine's worth it. As long as you understand that it's not another water slide. And what I mean by that is it makes about the same amount of money as a water slide, right? 18-footer, generally speaking. You go buy an 18-foot water slide and throw it on your website amongst all the other water slides depending upon your situation, you will make more money from that water slide, right? That water slide will make you another 10 grand this year instantaneously. And as long as you're not a huge company, probably add money to your revenue line, not rob from Peter to pay Paul. If you go add a foam cannon to your inventory, here's what happens. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Well, they don't know what it is. The, the, the person that comes to your website came to your website looking for a water slide. They don't know what a foam party is. They don't know what a foam cannon is. They don't know what foam daddy HD stacker. They don't know how fucking cool that thing is. So what you have to do is almost or literally, okay, I've gone, I've, I've actually flip-flopped on this uh, several times now, but you almost or you need to literally start a new business, a foam party business. Whether you want it to be the jump, oh, I'm, I'm wearing Let's Get Lit, but the jump off foam party or you want to go start your own thing, you know, Titan foam party and you got Zeus on it, whatever. doesn't matter. You need to have some sort of foam party product that you can market to people outwardly. This is kind of where my Facebook rant comes in. Like it's probably a Facebook ad because it's not a Google ad because they're not looking for you. Nobody's going foam parties near me. It's just not happening. Now, if you're operating in Arizona and you're near Foam Daddy and you're near Chris at Bubble Maniacs, they've built up such a large brand and large market. People may be Googling that in the Phoenix area, all right? But generally speaking, everywhere else, the entire US, people don't know what it is. So is a foam cannon worth it? Hell yeah, go check out Foam Daddy. The HD stacker is badass. I just got my custom wrap in for mine. Thank you. Shout out to Paul at Foam Daddy for sending me my wrap badass go check it out get one if you have the ambition to go market it to get it going if you don't and you're lazy just go buy another water slide but is a foam cannon worth it hails to the yes it is and finally the last question should you subscribe to the podcast yes go do that right now all right thanks for listening peace out love you